Welcome to the HV Audit Training and Tips Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Hungerford. This podcast brought to you by Hungerford Vinton, LLC. Today we're going to talk a little bit about evidence and what is evidence and the type of evidence that's out there and how to store and collect your evidence. First off, you've got direct evidence, which that's evidence that's firsthand. Basically, you've got a witness's personal knowledge or an observation of the facts in the controversy. This evidence directly proves the fact at issue without any need of inferences or assumptions, presumptions, anything. Next is circumstantial evidence. This is where assumptions are used. You're taking facts or information and proving something out indirectly. For example, every morning when the newspaper is put into your newspaper box, when you wake up with your coffee and go get it and see it's there, you assume the newspaper man put it there. Now that's circumstantial evidence. But if you wake up at 4 a.m. and see the car pull up and the newspaper go in the box, that's direct evidence. Now, for either evidence to be admissible, sometimes you've got to prove some sort of factual foundation of that evidence, whether that's common sense, whether that's specific to the particular incident or common with the particular incident, you know, whether that's a technical calculation that's used in the industry. These are types of things that must be proven before it can be admissible. So as long as we're talking about evidence, it's important that we discuss the hearsay rule, which hearsay, again, is some oral or written assertion made by somebody not testifying. So it's secondary information offered as evidence to try to prove some truth in a matter. Therefore, hearsay is evidence that is not generally admissible. So essentially, there's three possible roles as an auditor you might play in some sort of proceeding. One is, you might be the one that's being accused of doing something wrong. Let's hope that that's not your court experience. Therefore, you're testifying, you've got your work papers, you're directly affected by the court proceeding. Secondly is, you could be called in as an expert witness, someone who's in the industry, whether it be auditing in general or specifically to the industry that you work in, to talk about the commonalities and practices practices of that industry. And thirdly, you could be a consultant hired by an attorney to dive in and do forensic work to understand and put together the evidence that the attorney will be presenting during the trial. As such, it's important to understand the different levels of privileged communications. Privileged communications are when individuals have a right or a relationship that allows them to be exempt from testifying. Such examples are an attorney-client privilege. O.J. Simpson, did he or didn't he do it? Does Robert Shapiro or did Johnny Cochran know the answer to that question? We'll never know because of attorney-client privileges. Also, spousal relationships. A spouse does not have to testify against a spouse. The key words there is does not have to because they can if they're willing to. However, there are some jurisdictions that allow the spouse on trial to prevent their spouse from testifying. Now, rules over employee communications are even more diverse. In some cases, employee communications are considered confidential and would not be allowed in court as evidence. However, there are different rules in different jurisdictions, so make sure you understand those. Which now brings me to the work product rule, which us auditors are probably most interested in. Unlike attorneys, auditors don't have an accountant-client privilege. So when you're doing your normal auditing work, make sure you follow work paper guidelines because there is no federal or common state privilege rule for accountants. Now, there are some states like Louisiana that have a limited sense of privilege between an accountant and a client. Now, as auditors, our work does fall under the attorney-client privilege when we're working for the attorney, preparing information that helps the attorney properly give legal advice to his client. 
So in conclusion, it's important to understand what role you're performing as the auditor. As a consultant working for an attorney, generally your work product and communications will be protected under the attorney-client privilege rules. However, if you're an expert witness, your documentation, conclusions, and even communications may be subject to court review by both parties. I'm Tim Hungerford, and thank you for listening to the HV Audit Training and Tips Podcast, brought to you by Hungerford Vinton, LLC, www.hvaudit.com.